So getting started today, we've been in the series for a while called Headlines. And the idea behind Headlines is this. Jesus did some things during his time here in his ministry on earth that stood out to people. And, and it, was, it was things that, had they had the paper like we do, these would be things making the front page. You know, guy says this. It's that big of a deal that it had made the front page. And so as we examine some of these different headlines, um, today we're going to be talking about Jesus offering rest. And, and we'll get back to that in just a second. But, you know, as I started thinking about what's rest, I started thinking about the opposite of what's rest, and that's kind of busyness. And something that's been on my heart actually for a long time leading up to being able to teach this today is I feel our culture has created this thing where we kind of glorify being busy. And, and I'll, I'll illustrate it in two ways. One way is that we just pack our schedules full. If we've got spare time, we can fit something else in that spot. If there's something else we can sign up for, if there's another place we can go, if there's another thing we can do, we pack our schedules full of stuff that we're doing. Some of, some of it's necessary. Some of it's stuff we just find extracurricular. It's, it's things we want to get involved in. Here's the other illustration of how I think we glorify busyness. I've been guilty of this. I've been doing absolutely nothing. Someone will call me and ask me what I'm up to, and I'm like, ah, oh, just busy. No, I'm not. <laughs> but for some reason in my brain and, and some reason in our culture, that's a much more acceptable answer uh, than, than nothing. <laughs> and I, I don't think either really reflect on my work nature. It's just that, that's my response. And I think if a lot of us were honest, that's probably how we'd evaluate our own schedule. We'd probably tell people we're a little bit busier than we actually are. And for some reason, we've designed this busyness as a badge for us to wear around that people can respect us more. The busier we are, the more we can be respected. Maybe it's the busier we are, the, the more I can say no to other people's things and can just do what I want to do. But for whatever that reason is, I think it's become an issue. I think if we're honest with ourselves, that's something we might see in our own lives. I know that I see it in mine. And so kind of what we're moving through today is examining, are we too busy? Are there areas in our life, are there pockets, are there, are, are, or does it dominate our whole life where if we really evaluated ourselves, we would have to say we are too busy? Uh, you know, there's that phrase that, that I hear people talk about all the time, uh, uh, I'll rest when I'm dead, something like that, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Um, that was like my college motto, <laughs> because a, a professor explained it this way, you, you could have three things in college. Uh, you could have fun, you could study, or you could sleep. Those are the three options, but you only have time for two of them. And so I had to pick. I picked not sleep. But the, the reality is that, you know, we kind of say that in jest and, and fun. I'll sleep when I'm dead. But not resting, not finding time to rest, being too busy causes death in a lot of other areas of our life. It causes death in our careers, it causes death in our relationships, and, and ultimately it can cause health issues, and it can damage our spiritual relationship. And so as we kind of examine through that today, I do want to break that down into three parts. The, the main difference in finding rest is the difference between surviving and thriving. And not to be catchy, that's just the best words I could think of. Um, I spend a lot of time in life, I think, when I evaluate that I'm just surviving, I'm getting everything done. I'm checking stuff off my list, but, but I don't know if I'm thriving. And I think a lot of us, when we're searching for that thing, what's missing in our life? What, that's what we're really asking. How, how can I thrive? 
Rest is not a luxury, it's a non-negotiable, and it's part of being able to find a thriving life instead of just surviving through one. So when I break it down into three parts of my mind of what it looks like to rest, you have to be able to rest physically, you have to be able to rest emotionally, and you have to be able to rest spiritually. And when using it with that thrive word, it's you cannot thrive physically without rest, you cannot thrive emotionally without rest, and you cannot thrive spiritually without rest. So first one, we'll start with physical, because I think it's the easiest for most of us to understand, and mainly that's because our body will tell us when we are too physically busy. Uh, our, our health will decline, we're just tired. You know, you get that, you have that too busy day where you feel like your body's just constantly being dragged towards the floor, and that if you just kept going, maybe you could just lay down and, and just rest for a while. That's the too physically busy. The interesting thing is, is not only does our body tell us when we're tired, our body will reward us for finding rest. There have been all kinds of studies on that, and physical relaxation reduces stress, reduces depression, anxiety. It can decrease blood pressure. It can relieve pain. It, it can improve your immune and cardiovascular systems. Whew. And it helps improving memory and just overall health. And so when you examine it that way, I know I hear that response a lot of like, well, I'm just too busy. Like, I don't have time to take breaks like that. You know, I've got stuff going on. My, my job is crazy. I've got kids. But, but I read that list again, and how many of us would say we might complain about one of the things on that list? Stress, anxiety, health issues, pain, um, memory, uh, and then just an increased overall health. I don't think we can risk that. I think if we really evaluated our schedule and said, okay, maybe if rest is that important, if it can really solve some of the things that are causing me burden in my life, maybe I can make some more time for it. And that looks different for everybody, and I know everybody's different in all kinds of ways. Um, you know, for example, this, I love this, uh, busyness. To start my busy day, at one point, I have to go get in the car. For me, that means get in the car. For families that I've seen with little kids, that's a process, okay? I watch the Quayars get in their car. That's an adventure, all right? You want to feel better about your life? Watch the Quayars get in the car, all right? That's seven kids getting into a vehicle. It looks different for everybody, and everybody's got their own different kind of busy, but we've got to be able to build in time, no matter how busy our schedule is, to find physical rest. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 30, and we'll put that up there, and then I'll, I'll kind of do a preface. Jesus is full-blown in his ministry. He is rocking and going. His name is going all across the nation that's known. Uh, people are running in flocks to hear what it is he has to say, to be healed, to be prayed for. And in this particular instance, uh, Jesus is about, he's leaving a teaching, and he's about to go do one of the most famous things he did, which was the, the loaf and bread, and he fed the 5,000, all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. In between those two moments, we find this passage. And it says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and all that they had taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to find a quiet place and get some rest. And I'm not trying to over-spiritualize that, but if it was important enough for Jesus to go, time out, we need to go get some food and rest our bodies and find a quiet place and relax for a minute, it's probably important for us. And not to overly Jesus juke, but you're probably not as in as much demand as this guy. 
Uh, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago where there were people kicking in the roof of a building just to get before Jesus. I doubt he had the availability for much quiet time. But it's something that he made time for. And so not to beat a dead horse, physically, you've got to go take care of your body. You've got to go get rest. You've got to eat. You've got to go do those things because it's important for your overall health. Um, we could talk about that more today. If you, if you have questions about that, we can talk about it later. So the next one is emotional rest, and we're kind of building blocks here. So emotional rest, the best way I can describe that is really, we, we talked uh, last week about buckets. Everybody's got a bucket. And throughout your day, you've got things that are either filling your bucket or taking away from it. And, and the, my favorite illustration with that is if I take my bucket and all I have to do is worry about myself, I don't lose a whole lot out of my bucket. But when you start adding in jobs and, and family and kids and, and activities and, and it's like taking a drill and putting holes in the bucket. And the more holes you put in the bucket, the faster your water is going to run out and the faster, the, the more water you're going to have to put in to replace it. It's the same way in your life. You have to emotionally re-energize. The more things that you're doing, the more often you're going to have to check yourself and go, am I finding things that fill my bucket? Am I spending time with people that encourage me and lift me up? Am I, am I doing activities where I leave feeling more rested and not more worn out? And that emotional connection to rest is really just that easy. Are you doing things that can bring you a, a joy and a peace of just hanging out or going biking or going to the mountains? Um, we constantly see situations in Scripture where Jesus is getting on a boat and going out on the lake because the crowd's too busy. Or he's hiking up onto a mountain to spend some time praying to get his thoughts together. And, and I think we just kind of glaze over that, but I really believe he probably enjoyed those things too. And it's ironic to me that, that we place such a stringent thing on religion where Jesus is saying one of the most important things you can do is go enjoy yourself. Go take a break. Go relax a little bit. Go do something you enjoy doing. Fill your bucket again. The reality of that balance is it's really, really important for us to pour out our bucket. It's really important. It's really good for us to give. But if all we do is give and we're not taking back in at any point, we're not going to be able to give the way that we should. And our relationships start to struggle, and our friendships start to struggle, and our work relationships start to struggle. All of that starts to decline because we're not taking the time to intentionally re-energize ourselves. So the third one we're going to get to is spiritual rest. And the reason that I, I saved it for last, even though that's what we're going to spend the most of our time talking about, if you're not taking care of the first two, it's going to be really hard to take care of your spiritual rest. If you're constantly worn out and fatigued and, and angry and just wiped out from your week, it's really hard to make that extra time to take care of some of the more deeper, uh, some of the more complicated things, uh, which spiritual rest is. It's not as easy as just taking a nap. Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You heard that before? I feel, I feel like most people in church, outside of church, you've heard that passage. It's something we, get, we, we throw at people all the time who are stressed out, who've got a lot going on. We're like, go to Jesus. He'll give you rest. But I want to break down that verse because it's a little different. It, it means something a little different than when he's talking to the disciples saying, hey, let's go take a break. Um, my iPad's sliding. Sorry, guys. So, 
it is perfectly okay to approach Jesus and ask for spiritual or for, for physical and emotional rest. And I got to tell on myself for a minute because as I'm studying for rest all week, as I'm getting ready to teach this morning, last night I had to pray for physical rest. Here's what happened. Um, excited about the day, hard to turn my brain off. I stay up way too late. I finally get to a place where I'm ready to go to sleep. I crawl in bed. I'm about to reach over and turn off the lamp. And as I, as I roll over, right arm, roll over, turn the lamp, there's a spider crawling up the side of my mattress. About right here. I'm not particularly scared of spiders. If he's in the corner, we've probably been fine. But that's my personal space. And the bed is like my happy place. <laughs> so he's violated two off the bat. Um, so was not expecting it, wasn't looking for it, and out of nowhere. And so um, if for some reason my uh, downstairs neighbors ever listen to this, I'm sorry. Uh, but that's what the sounds were <laughs> as I did war with the spider. <clears throat> But I had a really hard time going back to sleep after that. I'd finally got settled, and then after my personal emotional space had been evaded, uh, it took me some time to calm down. And, and I found that during that time is, you know, I, I, I think all of us relate to that in a little bit. It's in the quiet, dark moments when you can't sleep that some of those thoughts keep coming into your head that you have a really hard time getting rid of. Uh, and that's where I found myself in that place is I, I literally can't go to sleep now. Not only can I not go to sleep, I'm, I'm struggling with all of these different thoughts that are, how, what's tomorrow going to be like? What if you mess up every day? That that's, shouldn't be a surprise. But bigger life things, bigger questions, what, what's going to happen in the future? You know, some of you know my story and, and what my wife and I are going through, and that's just pervading my mind. And in that moment, I asked Jesus for sleep. And that's fine. But I think a lot of us stop there. And I think a lot of us stop there in our relationship to Jesus in general. God, help me have a good day. God, help me do well at work. God, give me some rest. God, give me some energy. And it's so much deeper than that. And that's where the spiritual rest conversation is going to take us. Um, so, let's break down that verse. Come to me. This is a personal invitation. Come to me and I will give you rest. It's a personal invitation. And we don't need to read it as like a polite request, like if you might, if you would, please come on to me. This is more of a desperate plea. Jesus is crying out because he knows he can offer relief from the things that we're going through. But first we have to accept the invitation. Let's look at the second part. All who are weary and burdened. We glance over that and we go, yep, that's me, weary and burdened. Got it. But it's not a yes or no, it's a why. What's causing you to be weary? What burdens are you carrying around that's putting you in this place where you feel like you're in this struggle? When you come to Jesus, what burdening things are you bringing with you to the table? And that last part, I will give you rest. And when you're really looking for something, when you're hungry for rest, that's the word that you key on. But the reality is Jesus isn't pointing at rest, he's pointing at I. He's not trying to say, I've got the answer. Well, that is what he's trying to say. He's not just pointing you to rest. He's saying those who are seeking rest, come to me. If you're looking for rest, I'm the answer. So it's a personal invitation. It's a desperate plea for us to come and reach out to him. And it's also pointing to the fact that he is the answer. 
And then most of us just stop there with that passage, right? Good, got it. Jesus, your rest, I accept it, I love it. Let's, t- let's do that. But the next verse is the, is the part we, do, we don't often take into account. Uh, verse 29 says this, All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. Some translations say you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So a yoke is a, is a tool used in farming that they strap around. It's the big wooden bar. They strap around the shoulders of oxen to allow them to pull like plows. And I think that's where we get caught up. And I think it's where a lot of people get caught up with Christianity because you go, life is hard enough as it is, and now you're telling me if I choose Jesus, it comes with its own burdens? <laughs> like, why would I just trade one for the other? Why would I step out of the burdens I'm carrying right now to take on somebody else's burdens? And that's where the whole key of this lies in, is that there is a sacrifice. There is a sacrifice to following Christ. But the reward far outweighs the sacrifice. Where we live in our day-to-day, the sacrifice often just leads to more sacrifice, right? The overworked and overdone and all of that just leads to more overworked and more worn out and more defeated. Jesus is offering something that does the opposite of that. As you sacrifice, you're restored with other things. You know, one way that, that I like to think about this is the yoke allows the ox to accomplish a purpose. The ox left unattended is just going to be an ox. It's just going to sit there, and it's going to eat, and eventually it'll sleep, and then it'll start its day over again. But burdening the ox with a yoke allows it to accomplish something that's beyond itself. It plows the field. It creates the ability for the farmer to have money from the crops to support and take care of his family. When we take on the burdens, and we'll talk about them in a minute, but when we take on the burdens from what Christ is asking us to do, we gain a purpose. We become part of something bigger than ourselves. And for a lot of us, that's kind of what we're looking for. But it doesn't come without sacrifice. You can't just ask for rest. You also have to take up the yoke. So what does that mean? What is taking up the yoke? I can break it down to this. It's a whole sermon series we could spend on, but I'll break it down to this for today. It's getting to know who Jesus is. It's getting to know who he really is. And not just what the Bible says, but it's, it's spending time with him. It's developing that relationship that us pastors are always talking about. It's, it's becoming a more intimate relationship than just punching my card at church. And that's a great first step. I'm not bashing that. I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. But to really experience the kind of rest that Christ is trying to offer There has to come a sacrifice on our part, and what he's asking is just get to know me better. Get to know what I'm like. Get to know who I really am. Read my word. Pray. Let's talk. Let's work through life situations together. And the more that we get to do that, the more that we understand the opposite of that, and that's who we are to Christ. What God offers in exchange 
for our old selfish way of life is freedom from some of our biggest burdens that weigh us down. Worry, fear, regret, stress. All of us at some level relate to one of those, I know. And so you're saying all that Jesus is asking me to do to find relief from those is get to know him better. Yeah? Is that, is that difficult and that easy? But getting to know who Jesus is makes a difference. Um, let's read this passage. This is in Daniel 3. So, again, very popular passage. Uh, how many of you have heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Ring a bell. Bible school a long time ago. I'll catch you up if you don't know. These are three guys that basically got inherited into a different nation and a different kingdom to be wise men, to be counsel, to be, uh, you know, the, the king's elite. <clears throat> and during that process, they came into conflict with the king saying, worship me, and their belief saying, worship God. And the way the conflict comes down is the king builds a statue, and he's going to play music, and every time the music plays, like the chiming of a bell, people are to get down and worship the king's statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse. We're not going to do it. We are only going to worship God. And it comes to this conflict where the king says, here's the deal. I'm going to give you one last chance. I'm going to play the music. You're going to get on your knees and worship the statue. Or I'm going to throw you in a furnace. And the resolution will we'll be done with this. And I put myself in that place, and I think about those words I just read. Worry, fear, stress, regret. What am I battling in that moment? Fear's definitely on the top of the list. And we pick up this passage, and these guys do something crazy. So, verse 15 says this, Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. <clears throat> In verse 16, uh, Oh no, wait, but if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power, says the king. In verse 16, they answer, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. They understood who God is and they understood who they are in relationship to God. And in a place where they should have been overwhelmed and overtaken with worry and fear, doubt, because they understood who God was, they were able to answer with a confidence of, I know who my God is, and I'm willing to give up whatever to prove that. That's their sacrifice. The reward is being in one of the scariest, darkest places of their life and being able to have a peace and a rest beyond understanding. The rest that Jesus is talking about in that Matthew passage about come to me and find rest really doesn't have anything to do with sleep and naps. It has to do with these moments. The kind of rest he's offering is not just the physical and the emotional. The spiritual rest details the ability to walk into those dark pits in life 
beyond any kind of foreseeable hope and go, it's okay, God's got me. I can get through this today. I can rest today. I can rest in my darkest moment because I know who my Jesus is and what he did. The way I break down that illustration of us understanding who we are before God, I break it down into two parts. One, we're soldiers. We are tasked to do things for God's greater good. I know a lot of you have been familiarized with the military. You don't always understand why you're doing this or what you're being sent to do, but it's the purpose you've been sent for. And it's a sacrifice, but for great good. We take up that sacrifice as Christians and do, God, whatever you need me to do, I'm in it. But we also get this other side of the reward. We are the soldiers, but we're also God's children. And not all of us had great dads. Some of us have. The kind of rest and peace and security and joy that a good dad can bring to his child is irreplaceable. And that's just man, and and as imperfect as we are, and how often we mess up and stick our foot in our mouth and say dumb things and have to apologize. We're the children of God. How much more so would God take care of his children and love them and protect for them and fight for rest and fight for hope, fight for peace? And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood is we know we're soldiers and we're willing to do whatever it is we have to do, but we also know we're children that our God loves us. And the way that story ends is God saves them from the furnace. The king throws them in, lights the matches, everything goes up, and God protects them from even a hair on their body being singed. It said they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. And we focus on that part, and we argue with that part. When we get to that dark place, we go, well, God, I, don't, I feel like I smell like smoke right now. But remember the beginning. The rest didn't come in the result. The rest came in knowing who God was. And even if they hadn't come out, they would have died knowing. They would have given their life knowing who their God is and, and what their place is. I want to break that down into an even deeper illustration and we'll kind of wrap up for the day. Um, The greatest illustration of this, and we talk about knowing who Jesus is, the greatest illustration of rest comes hours before Jesus is put on the cross. And he has this same conversation Many, many years after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Jesus sits before God and he says, God, I know what's coming. And if there's any way that you can keep me from doing that, I I would really appreciate it. (laughs) He says, God, if you can take this cup from me, take it, because I really don't want to do this. But he follows that with God. But if that's your will, I'll drink the whole thing. And I promise you, that's a difficult place to walk through. But there's more joy to be found knowing who God is as you walk through a hard season that make the good seasons even better. What Jesus is saying when he says, come to me and find rest, he's saying, you never have to be alone. You can rest assured that I am with you at every step.
but we have to get to know him. And so I'll finish with this practical. I am not claiming that physical, emotional, and spiritual rest are going to be easy. I'm not claiming it's going to be firsthand nature for us as we walk out of the building. But have you heard that phrase? I think it's Benjamin Franklin. Um, if you don't plan to succeed, you plan to fail. If you don't make time for the things that are going to help you, it's only going to set you up for failure. Rest is a great thing. Knowing God is the best thing. And at some point, those have to take the place of good things. Does that make sense? It's easy to cut the bad things. We know the things we don't need to be doing. But, but some of us are going to have to look in that schedule and look at that place of going, these are good things that are taking away from the great things. I don't have to be this busy. And I can replace some of this some of the activities, some of the sport, I can replace some of this with some things that really might make a difference in my life. Fishing's great. It's not going to help you through the hardest things in life, though. Great things usually come at a sacrifice of good things. So, that's, that's the best thing we can do. It, it's one of the most applicable messages we can walk away from is you can go home and you can break out a calendar book. If you don't have a calendar, make one. I'm the worst. I am so bad with my time. But if I don't write it down, it'll never happen. Spending time with God is one of those things I need to write down. It's worth missing that extra cup of coffee. It's worth not having the extra 30 minutes to do my hair. It's worth it. Let's pray. God, you are the God of rest. And it's so foolish of us to only look at the things that you've asked us to do, God, because you give back way more than you ask. And we live this life in this mediocre place where we're just trying to survive each and every day. And it doesn't have to be like that. God, actually, the life that you set before us is the opposite of that. God, you've set before us a life of importance. You've set before us a life of meaning, of purpose. And God, people come to all kinds of different religions looking for all kinds of different things, but I know that's the one thing we have on our heart is, God, we want to mean something in this world. God, we want to have purpose. We want to wake up each morning knowing what it is that we're set out to do. And God, that's the one thing you offer, is you offer us a purpose. God, you offer us a purpose for, for us to move forward, for us to share what you've done in our lives, for us to make it known in the world. But God, you also offer us great reward as your children. God, you give us things that nothing else can give us. And I know that there are people in the room who have gone to every other outlet and have tried everything to fill that hole in their heart, to try to find something that makes them get through the day a little bit easier. And for some of us, it's finally needing to raise our hands and admit that maybe it's you, God. Maybe it's you we've been looking for this whole time. Maybe the reason we're so restless is we haven't found the one who can really give us rest. And you never know Father, we'll never know 
unless we take the step out of our comfort zone and we put on the yoke that you have given us and we walk forward with an intention to get to know you until we sacrifice the things that are good for the things that are great. God, that's my challenge in my heart this morning is that I take the time to evaluate what good things are stealing away from the great things that you have. God, you've asked so little and you give so much. God, we love you. And it's amazing to have a relationship and know that no matter what happens in this world, I'm loved and I have purpose and I have an identity that's so much bigger than this weak person standing here. God, thank you for being more for me to reach to. Thank you for being more that I can hold on to. God, lastly, I reach out and I just, from the bottom of my heart, know what you provide when I walk through those dark valleys. And God, I know there are hearts in the room that need to reach out to you who are in a dark place. God, let them be encouraged that that's what we're here for. We're here to be a safe place to raise your hand and go, I need some help. And God, my prayer is that you'll put it on their heart to reach out today and ask for some help. Ask for some help finding rest. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys stand for this last song.